0: Is the bloody disgusting podcast network.
1: Come on, Megan, it's spooky as hell inside. We're coming! Ah!
0: Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in from Los Angeles, California. Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more with your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. I'm
1: Leo. I'm Lauren. I'm Trevor and we are the Boo Crew. Welcome to episode 127. Still under quarantine, you are joined remotely by Keola Rossella, director of one of your your new favorite Fright Flicks, it's called PORNO, at time of release, available on VOD and digital now. We talk nudity, gore, possessed films, demons, what more could you want? Grab that popcorn and soda before the trailers start, things are about to get insane.
2: This is Kayola Rosella, lock the door and turn on private browsing you're about to watch a porno with the blue crew.
3: Guys, when we watch that movie, we unleash the sex demon. See
0: kids? That's why I don't watch or no. go ahead scream that's all we need another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy
1: joining the Boo Crew via the Speakeasy studio is an acclaimed and exciting new talented filmmaker his first short 2013's Above the Sea which he wrote and directed won several awards including the jury prize at the Woodstock Film Festival he followed that up with the comedy Emergency Contact, starring The Office's Kate Flannery and Stephanie Hunt from Friday Night Lights his next short Two Sisters took home an award and even more praise from critics and he recently delivered a fabulous 13 minute creature feature for Crypt TV called Beast Under the Bed his debut full length feature is a celebration of the fun, gory practical effects laid in horror we all grew up with released with the help of the legendary publication Fangoria it's been named the official selection at all of your favorite festivals including Fantasia FrightFest, London, South by Southwest Overlook and more it's about a group of teens who work at a movie theater in a small Christian community who acts Accidentally summon a sex demon. It's available on Vimeo on demand right now and VOD and digital May 8th. With us is a director of Porno. Kayola, Rossella. Hey, thank you for being here. Hey, guys.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: (laughs) Congratulations. What an intro. Hey, man. Hey, it's well-deserved. What a movie. (laughs) (laughs) We've been talking about this for a week now. Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, congratulations on what is a very amazing and fun ride, my man.
2: Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's super fun that people are uh, able to see it. Not really in the way that we imagined uh, it would go out there initially, but um, but but still, the, the response has been really great, so we're excited.
1: Yeah, I want yeah, you know, I kind of wanted to know about that. I mean, it was it was geared up for. Like a limited theatrical run It's been playing in festivals So you've been able to experience it from the audience's Viewpoint and sit with a crowd and watch Their reactions to everything which is I mean that's key in this movie as a filmmaker I'm sure there's lots of those moments you're like I can't wait to see how this goes down In front of an audience So what is, I mean how does that change everything Now is there, I, I mean I know You've adapted to it in a very interesting And inventive way, I wonder if you could talk a bit About that and maybe any plans for Getting this thing into theaters or drive-in theaters or something at some point as well
2: yeah absolutely i mean i think that you know as you said there was going to be a limited theatrical run so you know it was going to be a small window but we were super excited because i think watching this with a a crowd of people is kind of like an ideal way to watch it but you know with everything going on it's kind of like you know it, it became quickly apparent that that was not going to happen and it feels like it's a small movie, obviously like we care so much about it, but like in the grand scheme of things, it's like, you know, the fact that we, uh, weren't able to like play in the theater, uh, it's not the, you know, it's not the the biggest concern going right now, but the kind of amazing thing about doing this virtual theatrical thing is it's an opportunity to support theaters who are obviously going through a, a very rough time right now. Um, and so, people can go to the link and pick from a variety of different theaters. That they want to like basically support or contribute to, and they can watch the film. And also like some of the, some of the, uh, the ticket sales go, go to these theaters. So, and that's actually been uh, like a super exciting thing, especially, you know, for, for people who just uh, kind of like live and die at the movie theater. I mean, not literally, <laughs> but you know, people who just, uh, who, who love to go to the movie theater, being able to like, support those things and, you know, with the hope that, uh, the, that we'll all be able to go back to the movie theater sometime soon is, is, is kind of an amazing thing.
1: Yeah. No, um, it's truly an inventive way of doing it. It's amazing what this thing has done and bring out all these very inventive ways of sharing content. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
2: you know, luckily there, we have these kind of like venues. Um, you know, it was, you know, the it felt like the first kind of domino to topple was South by. And it was like, So it just felt, I don't know how you guys felt, but it felt so shocking, especially because that's where our film premiered. And it was such like a, a great experience. And, you know, my heart kind of like goes out to all the people who are going to premiere, especially these smaller films at at film festivals, because it's like, you know, a lot of films don't even get a theatrical run. So it's kind of like these festivals are like the opportunity to watch your, your uh, film with a crowd in a theater and, and so uh yeah that kind of stuff's uh is is super important, so it's it, it's kind of like <laughs> disturbing to see it go away
1: right right well, i'm sure it'll be uh, everyone's craving it probably more than ever right now, so hopefully it'll be a big, big yeah, renaissance absolutely. and resurgence, which would be fantastic to be a part of as well, as I understand it, your relationship to the genre was a little trepidatious growing up. What, what are your earliest memories of those feelings towards horror films as a kid?
2: Oh man. No, I'm not a fan. Not. A fan <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was like, just super freaked out. I, I you know, I think it, uh, part of it comes from being a, a bit of a latchkey kid. And I, it's like me and I have three siblings, all girls. Um, and so we were kind of left to our own devices a lot. And we just were just watching things and, <laughs> It, it, when we should not have been watching them At certain ages I remember somehow we got a uh, a, a copy of uh, Scarface Which we watched when we were, I, I, I must have been like seven years old When I watched the movie I remember I, I had only seen The first half of Full Metal Jacket I don't know I watched maybe the first half of that When I was like maybe five or six And then never watched it again Until I was an adult Because I was so scared at that like Halfway point where where Vincent D'Onofrio shoots himself, that like I just never went back to that movie. God, Um, I remember
1: watching that at a sleepover and some of the kids like barfing and stuff. Like I didn't see anything like it. Yeah, it
2: is so disturbing. Yeah, it is is crazy. Yeah, but and so, you know, I think watching some of some stuff like that and not really like, you know, trusting movies that had any sort of inkling that something like that would be in it. You know, it just kind of freaked me out. I, there was a, a video store that we used to frequent when I was a kid that had a poster of the ghoulies <laughs> right by the entrance and it was just like every time i had to like not look at that poster because it that, like you know it's a green monster and he's wearing suspenders and he's actually quite cute but like <laughs> <He's> sitting <laughs> in a toilet <laughs> but he's in a toilet and i was just like man not even like you can't even make toilets sacred like why? <laughs>
1: like i cannot like
2: why do i have to be afraid of like going to the bathroom like this is so messed up but yeah so i mean yeah i spent like a lot of my my youth inside of like video stores and uh just deathly like afraid of that aisle and not even wanting to look at the boxes because they I found them so, so disturbing. So that, that was like a lot of my early, my early uh experience with horror film. Although as a kid, we had, uh, we watched the movie, the lost boys. Yeah. I don't know. It's maybe one of my most watched movies of all time. And this has more to do with the fact that I have three sisters than anything else, because they were so in love with, with like Corey Feldman and Corey Haim, yeah. and um, you know I don't I forget who plays the the older brother, uh, Jason Patrick, right? Like Kiefer Sutherland. My sister had like posters that she like cut out of like teen magazines, like and had like had them all over her walls. And so we would watch this this movie like intensely over and over and over again. And it's kind of like my real. I think it's like kind of like my real entry point into horror. Although there's a scene where they, they take Jason Patrick's character to like show him what it's like to kill people. And I would always like leave the room when I that, was that <laughs> <happened. laughs> no, just like, All right, like I, you know, like, I, it, like this watching this movie is like a natural extension of my love of the Goonies. Right. Cause it's a very like, it's like Goonies with vampires, this movie, which is something I, I, I super loved and was super into, but like the part where the parts were like super graphic. I was like, As a kid, very afraid of.
1: (laughs) That's amazing. Well, what's really cool is that... I wouldn't call it maybe fear or fascination, the whimsy of experiencing those movies and the hesitation of, of experiencing that dangerous feeling translates. You've translated it so well into porno. It kind of made a version of those films for today's audience, which is a real feat and probably something that only someone like you with your approach (laughs) to that genre at such a young age could create, which is amazing. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, I, uh... I don't know how, how conscious it
2: was, but it was definitely like, it's definitely in there for sure.
1: Are there films that you ended up kind of that ended up kind of being the straw that broke the camel's back? So to speak horror films that you discovered maybe in your later teen years or something where you're like, Oh my God. Okay. I get it. This is, this is really good. This, this is what I love. I love, I love these things.
2: Well, it was a kind of like a, a combination of, of things. One was uh, American werewolf in London, which, where well, uh you, you, I was like my friend was like let's watch m- this movie and I was like I don't want to watch this horror movie and he's like it's made by the guy who made Animal House and I was like what and so that was a kind of like I was like okay and then we watched it and, you know there's like some stuff but like it was funny and I was like oh this is amazing you know and that kind of like opened up a lot of stuff it was kind of like that movie obviously like the Evil First Two Evil Dead movies and then um Dead Alive,
1: yeah, Dead Is Alive. That Peter,
2: that's that's the Peter Jackson one. I, I, yeah, it's I, it's so kind of disgusting, like, dude! It's it's so gore, but but I think by the time I got to Dead Alive, I'd seen the first two Evil Dead. You know what I mean? And yeah, so I you're was ready kind for of it. Like, I was like fully like into the, this like horror comedy thing, and so that's kind of like where I started to like pick up stuff. And then I, my my, my best friend from my high school was like, "Dude, have you ever seen The Predator?" And I was like. I've seen one clip from the predator and I was like walking into my dad watching the predator. And it's like, these people are like skinned and hanging from trees and it like freaked me out. I was like, ah, my dad's like, get out of (laughs) here. And so I was just like, no, I've never. And then he, he like made me watch that. And I was like, Oh my God, this movie is a masterpiece. (laughs) And then we watched alien. And then it was kind of like, and then it was like kind of all over. I was like, Oh, this is, What have I been missing out on? This is
1: crazy. Right. Oh, my God. Dude, we must be around the same age. Because I remember that, like, Full Metal Jacket, Predator, RoboCop, like, all those movies. It was just, like, like the dude melting in RoboCop. I was like, oh, my God. This is crazy. Let's talk about when you set out to make movies. Did you set out to do horror? Was that something that you wanted to do? Yeah. No. No. (laughs) (laughs) No. absolutely not i mean you know like none
2: of my short films are really horror films i had not really i'd not made a, a film before film school i mean I, I did my undergrad doing film studies so it was a lot of watching movies and writing about film but never you know I, I was never like oh i'm gonna be a filmmaker but and so i just had not made anything until film school and then you know i went to columbia and the kind of like ethos there is uh, one of a kind of like 90s indie filmmaker and so it's like a kind of like all in one you make an art film you hope it like plays it can or plays at sundance and 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 it's not really you know uh, the the education i got there was invaluable but it's not it doesn't really lean commercial and so art film i don't really lean towards art films and so i kind of like you know, the, the the movie I made Above the Sea, I was like, I want to make a gangster movie where someone gets shot in the face. <laughs> and I did that, but it's also like a, you know, a, a, a period film set in like 1930s Shanghai, right? So it's kind of like, and that just comes up from my, like, my love of noir films. And so, you know, it wasn't really, it didn't really ever seem like an option or really like the first thing that I would like jump to. But I do love the, I love the genre so much when I When Matt and Lawrence, the writers, were like, dude, do you want to make a horror film? I was like, yeah, obviously, absolutely. Like, let's definitely make a horror film.
1: What do you love about working in the horror space?
2: I mean, I think that what's kind of amazing about horror is that, like, it's uh, both like a super popular genre, but also one that affords kind of like the most expressive kind of filmmaking, because it's it tends towards the supernatural or the kind of like subjective... And it deals with such a heightened um, sense of reality. You can do like amazing, like beautiful thi- things that aren't really tied to kind of like more naturalistic filmmaking. Um, and I think the, so. The, the kind of like, possibility space of like making kind of like more creative films is is uh, is bigger, you know. And on top of that, it's a, a super popular genre. So it's not like you're making it for an audience of like two people. You know what I mean? It's like uh, you make films; you want people to see them, and uh, you know, after having made this film, you, you you come to understand that like the horror community is like one of the coolest, strongest communities of like uh, uh, you know uh, film fans out there, and
1: they're they're all super cool. You've had the experience, like we said, pre COVID, of taking this film out in the wild and and putting it into that horror community and being embraced by that community. What what has your experience been like with that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think that I, I entered with a little bit of trepidation knowing that, like, you know, the people who are uh, you know, about that life are really about it, you know what I mean? And so I felt like <laughs> and I think that I have a, a kind of like built in uh, kind of an insecurity because of my uh, my early fear of horror films that I'm, I wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like the first thing that I, it wasn't like the first love that I had, but everybody like I said the, the audiences are super awesome and super welcoming and, and super enthusiastic and um, all our experiences shown in the film have been so fun and and everybody's come out to see it has been like just so cool and then also meeting other filmmakers uh, you know who who work in the space I think are it's you know they're super cool too are there any horror comedies that you like to watch that inspire you <sighs> yeah I mean I think that like I don't know if lost boys is considered a horror comedy is it considered a horror comedy i don't know i yeah i would consider it
1: yeah i mean you know it's not like slapstick horror comedy like evil dead 2 or anything but yeah it's definitely it's definitely got those light light lighthearted moments right
2: yeah i mean i think that like that's kind of like the kind of like
1: the source sure yeah like horror adventure almost
2: yeah, yeah, no absolutely it's funny I, I watched the Fede Alvarez remake of um, Evil Dead recently it's a film I like, super super love even though I, I feel like the, the the first two Evil Deads are like yeah practically sacred it, I think that remake is it's amazing yeah it's weird I, I watched that movie and I was like oh I, I, th- I guess we just <laughs> made a version of Evil Dead <laughs> in our film you know what I mean it's like oh this is like not that you know not that it it does exactly the same things but the you know the kind of structure and the kind of like oh this is a cursed object where they summon a thing and i was like oh man i, I didn't even realize we were like really working in this film even though it's like so I, you know but i think that's part of the the fact that it's like become so ingrained in in kind of like my
1: knowledge of uh of horror and, right like, part horror of comedy. part of your creative vocabulary i guess no so to totally say. totally yeah. totally but,
2: but uh, to, to your question I, I mean i don't know I, are there like go-to films i you know i i rewatch shawn of the dead often I, I think obviously that movie is fucking awesome um it sure it is and then, it, it's my favorite that's
1: <laughs> lauren's favorite shawn of the dead
2: yeah it's so yeah i mean the, the movie is like just so ridiculously uh funny and inventive and and uh and stuff and yeah, like Evil Dead. I, it's so funny because I, I would obsessively watch Dead Alive. Yeah, I have a tendency to just like watch movies over and over again, kind of like playing an album over and over sure, again. yeah. But I haven't but I haven't seen it in so long now. I'm like, Oh fuck. I need to go back
1: and watch it. I just keep remember. I remember the <laughs> soup, like they're eating soup and I think her ear falls into her soup or oh, something. It's so <laughs> <gross>. <laughs> or her custard or whatever she's eating. It's so gross. It's I think it's custard. Out. Cause it had like it's blood custard. in the custard. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, oh, best. So
2: gross. I mean, you know, he like straps on a lawnmower and kind of like walks through zombies. You're <laughs> yeah. like, this is fucking awesome. This is so great. And then that guy won a fucking Oscar, right? Like, you know, like, and you know, that's right. He also made Lord of the Rings. And you're like, okay, cool, man. You know, maybe we all have so much range.
3: Yeah, I was you know, wondering, where did the idea for this film uh, originate? Was it based on either of you guys, either Matt Lawrence or yourself, having worked in a movie theater?
2: So I, I did work in a movie theater in Hawaii. But I, it's, it doesn't come from that. It comes from a study that Lawrence read about done in the 70s, done on attention. And what they did was they dressed someone like a ghoul and had them run through a porno movie theater and see, and just saw, like, tracked who noticed that there was someone dressed like a monster running <laughs> through a <porto> theater. <laughs> and uh, the number was very low, it turns out, very low. Uh, people were not... Uh, not too bothered by this thing. So, um, so yeah, the, that's the kind of like, that was the kind of Genesis for this idea of, of um, uh, making a movie in a, in a haunted porno theater. So that, that's,
1: that's where it's. That's oh where my I'm God. Shown. Is it filmed on a location? Actual theater? Yeah.
2: So it, it uh, it's kind of amazing. You know, we, I was living in New York when they asked me if I wanted to direct this film, which did not have a script or even <laughs> was not even going to be about this. Uh, at the time. And, uh, I was like, yep. And so I flew to LA and we were going to shoot in LA, but we had such a hard time finding a theater because our budget was so low. And so we had to find a theater that we could have like total control of, but wasn't so decrepit that we'd have to like basically rebuild the entire interior. Yeah. And so we kind of lucked out because this guy, I believe his name is Josh Sapin. He's the president of AMC, the network. Oh, wow. Um, he comes. He's friends with a producing faculty at Columbia, and he comes and talks to the producing students there. And he owns this movie theater in Greenport, Long Island. That's seasonal, right? It's like a seasonal town, and so it it's closed during the the winter. Oh, perfect. So yeah, so he let us have the rental place, and it was uh, it was like such a <laughs> like literally like a gift. It was a it was kind of amazing. The 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 one drawback being that because it's closed during the winter, there's no heating system uh and so we were wearing like heavy jackets inside oh wow uh, for much of the shoot which was also you know uh, terrible because um you know there are some nude people <laughs> in the film um I, on the first day we shot with Caitlin who plays uh, Lilith the succubus I was like I'm so sorry it's so cold and she's like well people are going to know and I was like <laughs> I was like Ind- in- in- indeed they indeed they are
1: <laughs> so wait the, 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 the geography of the theater and the way that there's you know um, I, I mean just a spoiler alert I guess but different sure. levels to the theater right there's an underground yeah. theater was that all laid out in there or was that an illusion was that another uh, you know a cinema located in that same theater or how, how was that achieved yeah
2: so it's a you know it's basically uh there are three theaters in that no four theaters in that place um and so we kind of shut down some places so it looked like there were walls and, and it was only like a, a, a two-screen uh place and we the kind of like underground stuff there's no like obviously there's no there's no like basement in this in this place but we you know we've they're one of the theaters is you it has these like crazy external stairs that you have to, that you they're that like in the theater that you have to walk up to to get to the projection booth and so we were like okay well this will be the basement <laughs> you know and so it, it, it all kind of like it, this movie is just like a series of things lucky things going right and we shot like 99 percent of the the movie in that theater. Obviously we rewrote around some of the quirks, like uh, originally the the old guy's name was Lord Byron, but then we got to that one theater and they just had this huge sign that said Beekman. And I was like, well, I guess his name is Lord Beekman. That's perfect. Oh wow. So the
1: sign even was there. That's amazing.
2: Yeah. That sign was just there. It was just taken from, I think the old, uh, the old Beekman theater in New York. And yeah, I was just like, well now we have to use this sign. And so that's kind of like, you know, it's kind kind of how the whole thing <laughs> rolled from
1: from start to finish, really. That's crazy. I had read somewhere that I don't know if it was the effects team or maybe the whole crew was staying at like a haunted Airbnb during all this.
2: Yeah, I did not stay at the haunted one, but uh, <laughs> so there was an option. <laughs> but I but I, I heard I heard tell. I mean, I think you know uh, Sarah and Chris, the producers, are they 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 are responsible for. For slotting people where they're, they're going to stay, and I luckily did not get haunted place. <laughs> but yeah, I, I heard I heard some stories about uh, about there being like uh, very weird things on at those uh, at those places. I, I don't know the details, but uh, it was it was it was told to me. The
3: practical effects and gore in this movie are balls to the wall, insane and fun, man. P- pun intended, by the way. Did you guys actually <laughs> tone it back a bit, or is there a cut of this movie with more gory fun?
2: You know, no, we didn't really tone it back. I, you know, being kind of like small indie film, you're like, well, we should just go for it, right? I mean, I, I don't think that I, we. I feel like we, you know, we felt pretty dang lucky that we got hooked up with um with Vangori and Shutter and and the people that cranked up um and we got distribution. It's not the story for all small films, and you kind of like, you know we had some money to make this film and, and we went and made it and you kind of like cross your fingers. You're like, I hope this resonates with people. And then we get, get something. So there was never, it was never like a, well, we should uh, make this so it can be rated R or whatever, because you know, it, it, the spaces that something like this will probably play are, are not going to be places where, you know uh, you're going to need that kind of uh kind of thing. So we just went for it, but there, there was a thing while we were writing where we were like, surely if we go too far, someone will tell us to stop, right? <laughs> like some, some, and uh, the answer was no, no. No one said anything. And so uh, that's that's kind of what it was. The, you know, uh, I, they didn't really leave anything. It's a, s- a small film, so you're kind of just like, I need to put all of, all of this stuff we can on screen. The, the scene where uh, Ricky puts the tourniquet on the heavy metal Jeff's uh, spoiler alert on his nuts, like There is a there are takes where like blood squirts out everywhere, but it looks so over the top that like uh, I didn't put it in. But it is uh, it's pretty disturbing. Oh, my
0: God. The boo crew will be right back. Scotty was alone on the back staircase that night. Most people would have been frightened, but not Scotty, not the girl who had allowed herself to be seduced that same night. The thought made her smile. And then the terror plunged from out of the darkness. Silent scream. Terror so sudden, there's no time to scream. Silent scream. Rated R, under 17, not admitted without parent.
1: And who's what's the story on the on the kids doing the effects? They're pretty young guys, as I understand.
2: Oh yeah, super young. So I met uh, these guys, um, Brett Schmidt and Greg Pakulski, and I met Greg actually at a on a student film sh- shoot. He was doing the the practical effects on uh, on my my buddy's film, and I was you know I, know, I was doing some crude crew job, but I was there to help out. And um, what was kind of amazing is like because it's the kind of school that I was describing before, many of the films are kind of like these like weird coming of age films or like, you know, kind of like rich people in a, in a beach house kind of uh, films. But my friend was making this film where this woman like cuts her own stomach open and starts digging around with a pair of uh, tweezers, uh, which is just, it's, it's it's super gnarly. And so we, we, when it came time to like see these effects happen this kid greg who was so young that he could not buy alcohol we definitely bought him some beer while we were on the <laughs> shoot um, he was doing this stuff and, and it looked amazing and he was like he was so professional that it, you know whatever we're film students so kind of like anybody who's worked on a regular film set is super impressive to anybody but he was like kind of beyond that and uh it was just, I, you know, I was kind of like, uh, I hope I can work with this guy someday. You know, I hope, I hope that someday we have something. And so, when it came time to do this, uh, I was like, dude, we should find that guy. What's that guy's name? And so we kind of like, you know, I got in touch with my friend, and he he put us in touch with them, and he they were these two guys. He partnered up with Brett, and they were just starting their own kind of like uh, studio together, and so. Yeah. It, it, uh, again, super lucky, you know, when you're when you're doing these things, you kind of want to find people who are in the same place that you're at, which is like a lot of uh, drive, a lot of ambition and m- maybe on the cusp of like being there, but not quite there yet. And and that's that's kind of like where we found Brent and Gray. there. Uh that's so guys.
1: exciting. That's like just like the the making of Evil Dead, right there, right? You got yeah, your, right, right, you discovered right. the next K and B effects, and and how awesome yeah. that these young guys are getting into practical effects, which is a great foreshadowing oh, for yeah. what's in store for for horror movies to come too. That's amazing. Oh, heck yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they were they're uh, just amazingly talented guys. Super like hardworking and just so inventive and yeah
1: yeah what they what they pull off in this film is is outstanding i wanted to talk a little bit about the uh the, the timeline that this movie takes place in, because it, it's sure. not really until like the, the trailer says kind of like once upon a time in 1992, but the film itself almost drops you in. It's like almost like a dizzied state. It could be present day, maybe at a second run or dollar theater sure. or, yeah, you know, yeah. like it was that intentional. And was there any, any kind of no, concept I mean. behind the decision and, and maybe even having not seen a man in league of their own playing. Was that an issue? <laughs> No, I mean, you know, uh, you know,
2: not that we haven't heard anything uh, bad about having those, you know, using the titles of those films yet. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think that we played with the idea of having some sort of title card about, you know, saying what time period it was. Um, my feeling is that oftentimes you will see films that are of a, like set in a certain time period and it feels like people and the production designer performing the time period. You know what I mean? It's like, I like Stranger Things, but also like the kid's bedroom has all the kind of like signifiers of like <laughs> 1980s where you're just like not a normal kid would not have <laughs> every single one of these things. Um, and so I'm, I was a little bit like reticent to like do that kind of thing. And so, yeah, I mean really the the, the time period uh, stuff comes from, well, it actually has a lot to do with pornography, which is that <laughs> <laughs> if you said in in, 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 you know, in present day, people's relationship to pornography and, and their access to pornography is so different than it was kind of like pre-internet. And so, you know, the idea of these kids would have watched this like satanic movie and thought it was pornography, I think doesn't really work. And by today's standards where, you, you know, hopefully kids are being protected from this stuff, but really it's, you know, if you're a kind of like horny, uh, you know, uh, someone going through a adolescence, it's not hard to find. Right. Um, and so that's kind of, that's kind of like where the time period comes from. And also, you know, Matt and Lawrence are all roughly kind of like the same age and, you know it's a it's a special it's a special time in our in our kind of like growing up that's kind of where that comes from i want to go back to the prosthetics what ended up happening to them did you keep any
1: or where are they
2: yes so brett and greg have all of them except for the severed penis which chris our producer has he sometimes travels with i don't know why <laughs> <laughs> like <the> porn, a <laughs> porno road show yeah well yeah we film festival he's like should i bring the, the dick out and i'm like what and he's like i brought it and i was like dude, you flew with it? like what <laughs> i mean i think you know he's an enterprising guy i think he's like there's a, there's always an opportunity to like freak somebody out with this thing but yeah chris has that but i think everything else brett and greg have in their studio Including the, the you know the testicles and and <laughs> and all and all that stuff. That's awesome. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's so great. I, I went to their uh when I we were first kind of like hooking up with them. I went to their like brand new studio, and there was just like a uh, exploded leg like laying on a table, and they're like, "This is from Sicario 2 and I was like, "Holy shit! Wow, it looks so real and so fucked up." That's crazy. Yeah, and I was like, "You guys did the effects for Sicario 2 They're like, "Nope, just this leg," and I was like perfect (laughs) hey good enough man that's great i was like this leg looks amazing i wanted to talk about the casting process for finding lilith and how it was on set making her comfortable being naked was that something hard to do or was she super comfortable with it yeah absolutely i you know i think that uh, i uh, you write a thing and then you're like okay now we have to make it and like okay well you know what's the most kind of like responsible kind of like (laughs) comfortable way to do this thing and I really credit Sarah uh one of the producers with creating a kind of environment that would be uh uh very you know comfortable for for Caitlin who was uh, amazing I think her performance is amazing and also she's just amazing to work with but you know we had a, a very female heavy crew and that was you know part of the thinking behind that was you know to to make this feel you know uh, like a comfortable environment We had uh, a second assistant director who was basically with Caitlin the whole time, you know, with a robe and, you know, taking character, taking care of her. You know, we were we had heated rooms where we could have them. And, and, you know, we in the times where she she was nude, we we uh, we closed the set and stuff like that. So we tried to, you know, make her as comfortable as possible. She's obviously like putting herself out there. And I think her performance is amazing. Um, And so, yeah, that was a That's kind of what it was like on set. The casting also was a, was interesting. I, I never, you know, it's a a kind of like wordless role. And so it was interesting. I, you know, we got some tapes from our casting director and then we had kind of callbacks, but basically she had uh, our casting director had them do a kind of like dance you know um, the the description is you know she has to move in a kind of ethereal way she's kind of like a supernatural kind of being and so she had them like select a, a piece of music and then they would do a kind of like hypnotic dance and then <laughs> a series of kind of like snarls and and growls and stuff like that <laughs> which was uh, very uh, interesting and 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 new for me but like it kind of worked, you know, it kind of worked. You're kind of like, okay, this person can, can can definitely uh, carry it. It's, it, it's a tough role to cast for because, uh, you know, I think that you can, you know, just look at pictures and that's not going to tell you the whole story. And so, and so, yeah. And then it was just kind of like about talking to, to, to Caitlin and, you know, and, and getting on the same page with
1: her. What about uh, heavy metal Jeff Robbie Tan, who has some amazing lines and even some uh, <laughs> some great baseball bat choreography <laughs> in his monologue? Was that was that character encouraged to do a lot of improv, or was all that stuff on page?
2: Oh yeah, no. I mean, a, a lot of it is in uh, Matt and Lawrence's writing, but yeah, we we his his character the, the most obviously led towards improv, and there were definitely days where I would like would be like i would give robbie a, a kind of like alternate line and then he would say it and then i would have to like walk away from set while he was doing it because i would like <laughs> bust up the take laughing because he was he's so funny and then also he robbie's the responsible for busting a lot of takes for other actors where he's the person kind of like off screen right and he would just break other people just by like doing his lines or not even doing much of anything, he would just cause everybody else to laugh. Um, it was uh, it, it was kind of amazing. But yeah, the character is so kind of like ridiculous. You can just, you know, throw him, you know, so many different kinds of lines and and different readings, and, and it all kind of sounds sounds good
1: coming out of his mouth. Um, right, it's like a John Hughes yeah. movie.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's- the
3: mysterious uh, film the group watches in the theater was that footage inspired by any actual cult or ritual footage you've seen?
2: So it's actually inspired by uh, Kenneth Anger, the films of Kenneth Anger, who uh, is like this queer uh, pagan kind of uh, experimental filmmaker. He made like Scorpio rising. Yeah, that's kind of where it comes from. We, We looked at two films in particular, one's called Invocation of My Demon Brother and the other one's called Inauguration of the Pleasure Dome. And they're these kind of like you can you can watch a lot of his films in full on YouTube. And they're just these kind of like super weird, kind of like fifties, sixties, kind of like psychedelic, you know, like Satanist films. And so you're it's the kind of thing where you watch it and you're like, did I watch porn or or did I did I watch something satanic? I I'm not quite sure. Right. <laughs> Maybe both. And so that's kind of that's kind of where we got the inspiration for 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 the style of film the the uh, the kids are watching it was kind of like from the beginning it was like oh what's this film gonna look like it's gonna look like a kind of anger film
1: how did you film was that actually done on film to get that effect mm. no I mean I I did a lot of I, I
2: did the um, I edited the film and did a lot of the the, the kind of like uh, post effects and stuff like that and so. No, it was just me experimenting and and, and doing a lot of, like, crazy stuff on my own computer. Wow, Um, it looks
1: insane. And what about about all, like, the demonic symbols that are kind of overlaid on top of that and everything? Was that stuff that exists in the real world, or was that stuff you had to make up?
2: Yeah, I mean, a lot of it exists around this idea of a succubus and, like, Lilith as this kind of, like, um, supernatural figure. And so we did not a ton of research, but you know, we were all kind of like looking at the imagery and the kind of like pagan symbols around like Lilith and stuff like that. And that's kind of where a lot of that stuff is, uh, is sourced.
1: Wow. Did it freak you out? Watch it. Like when, it, when I watched it, I was like, Oh my God, this, this part's going on really long. Is something actually going to fucking happen in here? Oh my God. <laughs> Nothing good can come out of looking at these symbols over and over again.
2: I know. I know. Yeah, no, I mean, it was, uh, it's, it's hard to have some, I'm glad it has that effect. That's, what we're going for, but you know, after staring at it for so many hours and in and in so many different,
0: right? Yeah,
2: sure. So you like, oh, you're God, kind, kind of a nerd to the the whole effect of it.
1: Was there any investigation done into the lore of of actually you know films that purport to be haunted at all?
2: No, but I think it's uh I think it's a super interesting idea. Like, have you have you guys been watching uh, the
1: the cursed films uh, thing on Shutter? I haven't seen it, Lauren. Have you checked it out yet? When? Yeah, exactly. between when? distance learning, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah Leo, no have way. you seen? I want to though. Yeah, no, oh, it looks way. really cool. I yeah. know, I know all the ins and outs about it. Leo, have you seen it yet? Yeah,
3: yeah, I've seen it. It's pretty good, man. It's pretty good. A lot of the stories I've already uh, heard and read over the years, but a lot of good yeah. stuff in there.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's a kind of. It's a. I think it's it's really nice. I mean, I the idea I think is is. Uh, is a super cool one and you know definitely uh right for f- further exploration the so, only two yeah. that
1: i know about like that would have i mean Antrim is that movie that what is supposed to be kind of what the film in porno is supposed to be is that correct leo you watched Antrim?
3: yeah i mean after i watched it i asked for a long vacation then i we got a, a big one
2: it's cursed Wait, what is this what is, what is the story behind Antrim? what is this movie it's
3: like uh, there's a lore behind it where apparently there's these stories that the people that have watched it a lot of bad things have happened to them either death or destruction or you know
1: and the theaters just, that it uh, played in burnt down yeah. and everything and yeah. over the years what? the print has been handed off to different filmmakers who have spliced in occult imagery inside the yeah. little frames of the film oh and, my god and you and see that exists, stuff. like you can watch this somewhere Leo is it is it or real, is, it, or is doc it about it.
3: So what it is, is, is that lore is, is what uh, built up the hype for the movie, which is about a girl and her brother uh, who are burying their dead dog. And they're trying to dig a hole to get to hell. And in the process oh, of the whole movie, you're seeing a lot of like, you know, symbology, you know, cult stuff, satanic imagery. And it's it's really unsettling and, and, and very creepy as you're watching it. Cause you're like, you're not sure what's going on. You know, and, that, and that's kind of what I caught from that short, you know, that footage you, 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 you've embedded into your film here. That's kind of what reminded me was Antrim was like, it's very unsettling. Cause you're not sure what you're watching and why you're watching it. You know?
2: Yeah. 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 No, definitely. That's I mean, so cool. yeah, you should, you guys should check out these Kenneth Agar movies. Cause you're like, they are, you know, they're experiment- experimental, films. And you're just like, is what, What is this? What is What ritual am I? Am I witnessing here? This seems uh, very unnatural. Right. Right. Like someone's (laughs) actually doing this.
1: What is it? What does it do? Yeah. And then the other one would be Demon House, which has got that, you know, that uh, that documentary on that haunting that actually happened by the ghost hunters uh, guy, Zach Baggins, where there's actually a warning at the beginning of the film that shit can go down just by watching uh, the film that's amazing and me and lauren won't watch it leo watched it and we always talk about it because we're so afraid to see it <laughs> <laughs> if they put a warning at the beginning of the film yeah i know have you seen that killer
2: demon house no but now i must watch both of these movies. you gotta watch it yeah <laughs> <laughs> tell it's us what happens guys if i yeah, die after you see this right to be yeah, exactly. <laughs> of these movies back to back in one day <laughs>
3: No, just just remember that. It's interesting because there's one particular scene they talk about in the movie. I'm not going to spoil it. But the incident that happened in a house was witnessed by like social workers, a police officer and like a doctor. So when you have witnesses like that say, hey, I saw something super creepy, supernatural. It's like, you know, you, you can't, you know, blow that off, you know?
1: Well, it's let's crazy. let's talk about the, the sound design too that you've instilled in that movie, both in the short film that's in the film, and also just the sound of the the succubus. There's everything. There's so much things going on, and, and when you're playing with the film footage of stuttering film, it's really really well done and really haunting. Was that something you spent a lot of time on?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was uh, fortunate enough to go to this um, this lab. Uh, for music and sound designs for a founder composer. Um, it's a Sundance lab and, uh, it's a, this amazing, it was this amazing experience where you get to spend 10 days at Skywalker ranch. Wow. And yeah, it was, which was incredible. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, these kind of amazing composers apply to the program. The, the program pairs you up with one of the composers. They look at your film, they look at the, the, the different composers applying. You get matched with a composer and then you both go to the, um, the Skywalker ranch and uh, you get also paired with a third person uh, who is just a sound designer at, at, uh, at Skywalker sound. And so uh, you pick a, a scene or two and you work with the composer on composing pieces for that. And they do a, like a live scoring session and then you work with a sound designer and you just kind of like play with a sound design. And it was an amazing experience. It was like an incredible experience. And, uh, the, you know, the, the folks I got paired with her were uh, super, super awesome. Wow.
1: Um, was yeah, Carla Petulo cool. part of that group or did she come in after or before?
2: So she's the person I was, uh, I was paired with at that, at that, um, at that lap and wow. so i was just like i was like oh man this is this is it this <laughs> like we have you know and it, it we i cut the film to, with a lot of like temp score from a, a bunch of different places but you know it wasn't really until carla made her pieces that it felt like the film you know had found its like complete identity i think her score is like so strong and so uh, and so fun so so yeah that was kind of a. Uh, that was kind of an an amazing experience, and another one of those like lucky things that we were able to get into this program. I was able to like meet Carla and 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 have all that stuff. No, the person who did our, our our final sound design is this guy named Larry Zip, who's uh, just an incredible incredible guy. He works um he works uh he works independently, but he also works under uh, this guy named Skip say who is a Oscar winning uh, sound designer who did like Gravity and does the Coen Brothers oh, wow. oh my
1: god that movie and, was um, amazing
2: yeah yeah and so he works with Skip and so um, and so he's he's done all of my shorts and and so he did the feature and he's uh, an incredible guy so.
1: that's awesome I've, I've isolated a lot of the score from the film that Carlo had worked on and what is fascinating to me is how a lot of it's done with her voice and it, and it takes on this. Oh yeah. Really like it's, it's almost like this Danny Elfman meets Diamanda Gallus chanting and breathing and howling and screaming that make up the music. And and you wouldn't really necessarily know it at first listen, but when you dig into it, you're like, Oh my God, a lot of this is human voice. It's really cool. Yeah. She's like an amazing, like she
2: has a band. She's like an amazing singer. And so you know, having that element in there was, uh I think, you know, critical. Like it lends so much and, you know, she it just gives the whole thing a different dynamic. It's so fun and, you know, and can also be
1: so scary. And uh, yeah, I love it. All right. Just cutting in here for a sec. There's a big spoiler right here and it's going to go on for about the next two minutes. So if you have not seen porno and you plan on checking it out, please skip ahead about two minutes exactly. And then come back and check this part out after you see the film. There's uh, one more thing I wanted to bring up, and uh, it might be a bit of a spoiler, but I have to bring it up because when Lauren and I were watching it the other day, I was like, this turn is one of the coolest fucking things I've seen in a film for a long time. Remember like the look on my face? I was like, oh my God, it was amazing, is when they enter that other dimension, and Uh everything just goes fucking, and that scene where the people are standing outside and they're all looking up and this, this fucking demonic glyph comes out and like hits and they all burst into flames. I was like, and someone's floating and the guy's working in the ticket booth. I was like, this is amazing. Talk about, talk about putting that, that part together. Cause that was, that's just fucking artful. It's amazing. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. I mean, it was super fun. You know,
2: um, a lot of it was, uh, working kind of like within the confines of, uh, our limited budget I scripted, the people outside are supposed to be s- swooped up and taken by a winged demon. We could not afford to <laughs> have a winged demon <laughs> in our film. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I instead made them explode and, 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 and that all worked. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I, it was a lot about like just trying to do different fun stuff and having a uh, Todd float and all that stuff. I mean, I, you know, a lot of a lot of the execution ends up being kind of like, well, we've got to like rethink how we're going to do this thing in order to like make it makeable, right? Because you can write basically anything and there were definitely versions where the whole theater goes black and then there's like an army of demons and they have all glowing eyes and stuff like that that were in kind of like a couple of drafts of the script that we were just like, well, we can't necessarily do this for the very small budget that we have. Um, and so... Yeah, I, you know, it's a kind of like critical uh, uh, turning point in the film. And so we want we definitely wanted to to, to make it pop, so to speak. And so, uh, yeah, that's where that's where a lot of that comes from.
1: That's well, that inventive spark that just makes this film such a magical experience. So, again, congratulations. It's really it's really something else. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thank you. <laughs> What's next for you, man? What do you got in the books? What's cooking?
2: Well, as you said, the, the film comes out on on, on VOD May eighth, and then there's like a physical release in July, which we're super excited about. Um, I think we're even going to do a sneaky like VHS limited edition thing, oh, which I think so will be super great. fun. Oh, yeah, uh, that'd be so fun. Nice. And then <laughs> so there's like fun stuff with that, and then um, you know I just finished a new script that i'm super super excited about can't really talk about right now but um but yeah I, there's a there's, there's there's more in the way that, that that's super exciting that hopefully in the, in the in the in the near future we can share some more about
1: very exciting in the horror space would you say can you even reveal that oh yeah yeah definitely Oh, awesome yes. Woo-hoo. we are psyched <laughs> Keola thank you so much man for spending time with us yeah. today we appreciate it so Absolutely. much thank you so much this is super fun this is fucking awesome that was the Boo Crew Podcast episode 127 special thanks to our guest Keola Rosella follow porno at heavy metal Jeff on Instagram and at Keola Rosella and at porno the movie on Twitter see porno on VOD and digital now production tracks provided for this episode by Powerman 5000 till next time it's the Boo Crew saying stay safe, stay healthy, and sweet screams.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at talesfromtheboocrew.com Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a team